Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to this week's episode of Mill Liberty. I'm your host, Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. I'm thrilled to have you here this week. This week, we are going to be having uh, an interview on the program with uh, Matt Wright of the Muddied Waters of Freedom. If you recall, back in March, I do believe, March or April, we had uh, Mohammed on, and he is uh, the the co-host. They, they co-host the program together. Uh, and it's a, a great program, one that I, I highly recommend, outside of my own, obviously. <laughs> and um, and we, we have a wide array of, of discussions from, from the GOP tax plan and tax reform to, to the big news surrounding Bitcoin this week, um, which is something that we haven't really spent a whole lot of time talking about and touching on, and it's something that we are going to be spending a lot more time next year uh, talking on it. I have, I have a lot of, of subjects that I want to get into next year that's very exciting, uh, and Bitcoin is included in that. And uh, also, we talk about the big news surrounding um, Matt Lauer uh, from yesterday that uh, that continues the 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 house of cards that is collapsing um, on the major industries such as around Hollywood and uh, and the news media and and in politics. So, without further ado, oh, and also we we have the most important topic of of the week and of the year and of the century, and that is, of course, of of uh, a certain little movie that that could be coming out in the very near future. So I'll just leave it at that. So with that being said, please sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Matt Wright. Matthew, welcome to Mill Liberty. Hey, what's going on, Caleb? Thanks for having me on. I uh, I'm happy to have you on, and this is. You know, this has been a while coming, and uh, it's it's finally happening, and we have a few things to get into today. Um, but first, I want you to uh, one of the things that we always do in all of our interviews. I I just want to uh, cover the basics first and foremost, and just tell us about yourself. Um, tell us what got you into the the political realm, and. Uh, and tell us a little bit more about the muddied waters of freedom. Well, I, uh, as you know, I'm the co-host of the muddied waters of freedom with Muhammad Shaker. And, uh, I got into pol- I've always been interested in politics, but I really got into politics when, uh, I moved to Florida. Uh, I started getting really involved in libertarian, uh, the libertarian party here in Pinellas County. It's weird. I'm saying here. I'm currently in San Diego, so it's like messing with my head a little bit. Um, but I got I got involved in the Libertarian Party in Florida when I was in Pinellas County and started working on um, the campaign, Lucas Overby's campaign for Congress, and then I worked on Bill Wolsifer's campaign for Attorney General, which was the first Libertarian campaign for Attorney General in all 50 states. And um, after that, I became the vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Pinellas County. I was very active, and then I began uh, doing the podcast with Mo. After that, and that was so, one year ago now. That was one one year ago on December third, which is coming up quite uh, pretty it, close. Yes, that's in like three. This that's going to be in like three days. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And there's there's certainly something else that we will be getting into about that date uh, later on in the, in the program. Uh, but yeah. you were you were involved in in libertarian politics, libertarian party politics specifically, even though um, the the national party is is not really <laughs> been your friend as of late, has it? No, not 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 especially. Yeah, I got in. Yeah, I got into libertarian politics because I knew I like when I I knew I was a libertarian, but I wasn't a member of the Libertarian Party. Uh, and then I moved down here, and I saw this influx of libertarian beliefs, and I really enjoyed the um, the community that they had down here. And we. I, I saw a good growth and people seemed to be moving toward the libertarian uh, mindset and I was like, this is perfect. This is what I've been looking for. So I wanted to get involved and help grow the party. 
Uh, and then after after some issues that we had with the then chair of the Libertarian Party during those campaigns, um, I was a little disheartened by the Libertarian Party. And then now, uh, with statements made by members of the leadership in the Libertarian Party, I've kind of, especially the Libertarian Party of Florida, they've really done some things that just kind of pushed me back and said, I don't want to be associated with these groups. I still believe in freedom, I believe in liberty, and if they put up candidates I believe in, I'll vote for them, but I don't want to have to defend the stupid things that these people say. So did you um, did you end up voting for the Libertarian ticket in, in 2016? I did. You did? I did. Yeah, I, v- I voted for Johnson, um, and that was mainly because I want a third-party system, a third party to be viable in this country. Yeah. I didn't think that the two-party system isn't working, it's... The two-party system isn't working, and they're doing everything they can to hold back people from learning about different uh, candidates. And I want people to be able to learn about extra candidates, so I'm willing to vote for third party just so we can get more candidates on there and more people can learn about different ideas and we can eventually break the two-party system. That's something I've I've struggled with a lot because I really, like, you you have no idea how badly I have wanted to to voted especially this past election for a libertarian ticket um especially for president and it, i just could not uh i just could not do it because i'm not a a particularly partisan person and I've, I've shared many thoughts on this program about that especially uh back a year ago closer to the to the election uh, but that's something I've always struggled with was that like I, I wish so badly I could have voted for a libertarian ticket, but I could not bring myself to that. No, I and you know so many people have asked me about that and I'm like, look, I get it. If you don't think that you can vote for the libertarian ticket because you don't think they'll win or you don't think that you know you agree with them, that's fine. Like that is your choice. Right. Um I'm in a minority here with a lot of Americans, not so many libertarians, but I think that if you don't like any of the candidates, it's better not to vote because I think that speaks more loudly than voting defensively. Right. So many people on both the left and the right say, oh, you have to vote for this person so candidate X doesn't win. And I don't see it that way. I only want to vote for people that I believe in or I'm voting for the future. And right now, the way that I choose to vote is I vote so that we can get a viable third party. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, uh, that's, that's, I think, a lazy – when people say that, you know, if it's not me, then it's the other guy. That's just people who don't really want to ask for your vote because they know that they're not that great of a candidate. I think it's a very lazy way to campaign, and it's just yeah. like, look how bad – I may be bad, but look how bad the other person is. Exactly. And yeah, and then this last election, that's all it was because neither candidate was good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were the two worst candidates in the history of uh, American politics. And I mean, obviously, the libertarians didn't put up anybody amazing. Like, personally, as a person, I like Gary, but I'm not. You're not you're not voting for your best friend or something like that or somebody to smoke right. with smoke smoke a joint with, right? Exactly. Well, I mean, I would. That'd be awesome. <laughs> um, I don't even smoke weed anymore. But like, if Gary Johnson was like, "Hey, you want to go get high?" I'd be like, "Yeah, let's do let's do that." Just to be able um, to say that, that you you got high with Gary Johnson. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I. Uh, in this last election, it was it's either you know you have to vote against. You're voting for the second worst candidate ever, so the worst candidate doesn't win. Right. And it just seemed like a throwaway vote to vote for one of those two people. So, yeah, I wanted to vote for something that could build on a future that would help the country out in the long run. We didn't get to the 5%, which sucked, but, you know, like, we got close, and hopefully in the next election they'll put forth a candidate who's not afraid to, you know, who will pick a running mate who won't say things like Hillary Clinton's not a bad person, which 
is absolutely insane to say that when you're in a race against somebody um, and you can or have somebody you know that could poll 5% or 10% or 15% in the polls so they can get on the debate stage. Right. So we have a lot to get into on this episode, but first and foremost, the most important issue of today. Um, definitely, definitely the most important news of the day. Of the day and possibly of, I don't even know how long, probably the past 10 years, because that's how long this has been building up in anticipation, is that today the Avengers Infinity War trailer finally dropped and I don't think, I mean, you you, uh, you were just telling me before we recorded, I, I texted you and was like, it's, it's, it's up. <laughs> and because I woke up and one of my friends texted me and texted me the link to it. And I was like, okay, this is glorious. This is wonderful. Oh, um, that, that's and, really... and then, of course, I watched it about, you know, a hundred times. Or however many. I, I lost track, obviously. Yeah. So what did you think of that trailer? That trailer Okay, well as as you know, and anybody who listens to the Muddy Wires of Freedom, I'm a huge Star Wars nut. I, I love Star Wars. And the last Jedi trailer was one of the greatest trailers I've seen in my life. The the Infinity Wars trailer is right there with it. Mm-hmm. I would like I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps from that trailer. Like, like my breath was taken away. I cannot, I cannot wait for this movie to come out. I, I, I I'm quite the Marvel fanatic. Um, when it, when you compare Marvel and DC, I, I'm much more in the train with Marvel. And, right. uh, and this is why, because that is how you develop characters, and that is how you develop story. Because they took. 10 years not just uh three or four years yeah not just three movies yeah not they took an entire three phases three whole phases to build up this anticipation and say not yet not yet not yet and wait and wait and wait and just let people sit on that and 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 see these characters and and really get connected with all the characters that they have been building and it all leads up to the final, uh, the final culmination of everything that they have built. Oh, it's what Marvel has done is absolutely amazing, and DC they tried to push. Did you Did you see Justice League yet? No, not yet. I haven't heard anything good. Yeah, I have not heard anything good about it. I mean, it was. I mean, I, I don't want to disparage it too much because it was not like terrible. Like I thought, I thought Batman versus Superman. I thought uh, that Jess, was or, uh, Suicide Squad. Those movies were were. Terrible. They were both terrible. Yeah, this one I didn't think was terrible, but it wasn't good. There was nothing that stood out that was good. Um, except, I mean, there was good action sequences. I, I will say that, but uh, the plot seemed absent, and um, and it it just felt very rushed. It, it didn't feel like there was much to like. The entire point of the film was just to bring them all together, not um, not actually build on their characters or on their stories or on their plot. It was all just like, hey. You know, here they are. Now let's continue to play catch up with what Marvel has done for the past ten years, and you just can't do that in in the short time span that they have. Yeah, I mean, Marvel. When Marvel started, and Iron Man came out uh, ten years ago, uh, I was like, ten years ago. Yeah, almost ten years ago. It was two thousand eight. Two thousand seven is when they started production. So. Okay. So yeah, like when. uh, when Iron Man came out, it it changed the way that people were going to be doing movies forever, mm-hmm. because you were going to begin doing these long, sweeping epics with many characters tied in and characters showing up in each other's movies. And then they started doing it in TV. Marvel started doing it in TV as well, 
And that was when uh, DC was like, okay, we need to start doing this, but we need to catch up. And they just, Man of Steel wasn't bad. It wasn't great, right. but it wasn't bad. And then Man of Steel 2 somehow turned into Batman versus Superman because that was, they were like, we need to start doing what Marvel's been doing. Right. And it was awful. And then they made uh, Suicide Squad, which also was terrible because it didn't have the Joker in it enough. And didn't make any sense. And it didn't make any sense. <laughs> like at all. Yeah. And now they're talking about recasting the Joker and Jared Leto's pissed. Yeah. But, um, and then Justice League comes out and it's just like, oh, Wonder Woman was a great movie. That's the only one in that entire line of movies that I've been like, yes, this is a movie that I will watch again. See, that's the only one I have yet to see. That one was really good. Yeah, and and it's not because I didn't want to. It's just because I didn't really go out of my way to try to, and I didn't yeah. have my movie pass at the time, obviously. Well, <laughs> so I I would have paid money to go see it. Um, yeah. Uh, but I this is actually something I'm I'm really really excited for is Infinity War, and I actually think that this will be the first time that any movie. Uh, let alone a Marvel movie, will outshine in the box office uh, the Star Wars movie of the year. Because I, I really think this is this is the one to do it. I mean, I could see this movie... I mean, this movie's going to break a billion dollars in, like, two weeks. That's no, not, not even. Yeah, not like, even. that's not... Yeah, that's not going to be an issue. Yeah. I mean, glo- globally, anyway. Right. Uh, I mean, it may it may outperform Avatar. I don't know that. That's, Avatar. Yeah, that's a hurdle. No, Star Wars. Right, but I mean, Avatar is the uh, top-grossing movie of all time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I I mean, the next year for Star Wars is um, is Han Solo the, anyway. Oh yeah, I was thinking you were talking Episode Eight because that comes out in two weeks. It, I mean, that, that one would be a, a higher hurdle. That one's going to uh, be a lot. Uh, I think it will outperform Solo because it, all, all the pre-production that I've heard on Solo hasn't been good. Right, right. Um, and there's not been quite the world building. Um, I mean, from Star Wars as a whole, there has been, but this is very isolated, more isolated than um, any of the other Star Wars movies. So I, uh, I feel like the epicness of infinity war will certainly overshadow oh, it oh yeah absolutely but i mean with all the production problems that they're having on solo with uh the firing of the directors right rehiring in and hiring ron howard in the middle of production and uh rumors that the guy that they have playing han solo has been trying to play it like ace ventura like all of these all of these things are just going to be hurtful to the movie like i'm still going to see it opening oh, yeah. day I'm but, most likely going to enjoy it as well. Yeah, it's just it. probably not not going to be as successful. I think I think yeah. next year that will be the the highest grossing box office movie of of the year. I would I would agree with that. Infinity War will be movie of the year next year. It's also got the greatest cast ever ensembled in history. <laughs> yes. Like, Yes, cast is insane. It has literally every single, uh, almost every single hero that they have ever introduced in this entire franchise in these next two films. And it's almost got every single A-list actor acting. Well, that's the that's the other thing is everyone wants to be in a Marvel flick. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter. You you can get literally anybody in one of these movies now. Yeah, pretty much. When Tony, when uh, Tony Stark—that's just all I call him now. Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> they're the same. When he, they, they, yeah, they're yeah. the same person. When uh, Robert Downey Jr. took the job as Tony Stark, I was like, man, his career's really like hit the backslide a little bit. That nope, that, that was a, a relaunch. That, that was the greatest thing he yeah. ever did. And and that what was, makes it even greater is like if you know his personal story before that. And how he struggled, and and this was honestly his this character fits him so well because it is his story, yeah. And th- and that's what makes 
Iron Man, and that's what makes Tony Stark such a great and compelling character to watch on screen with Robert Downey Jr.'s performance of him. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is Tony Stark. Tony Stark is Robert Downey Jr. It's the, it's, they are one. Like, right. That was the perfect casting. Right. All right. So, with that being said, um, I'm sure we can go on and and on and on about that. Uh, we we can nerd out about this stuff for the next hour and a half. Like but until really- until I have a a podcast completely devoted to uh, pop culture stuff, which I would love to do, um, we have to actually do the boring stuff and talk about politics. So. Uh, the first thing I want to touch on, there, there are a few pretty exciting things and pretty, uh, pretty shocking things that has been going on uh, over Thanksgiving break and, and over this past week. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about real quick is uh, tax reform. And uh, Rand Paul recently came out and announced that he would be supporting the Senate's uh, tax bill which is something that a lot of people uh, have been very iffy about, whether or not Rand Paul is going to uh, be in support of, of the tax bill because he was not in support at all of any of the health care plans that the GOP has devised, for good reason. Um, oh, no. And he was, he was uh, also very hesitant about this bill uh, up until only just recently, but it seems like they have have reached some sort of a deal to where Rand can now support uh, the bill. And this makes this bill, both Rand Paul and Thomas Massey are now supporting it. So tell me some of your thoughts on, on this plan. Um, you know, there were, it's not a libertarian bill, obviously. Well, uh, <laughs> Not, not, not the abolition. The the abolition of the Sixteenth Amendment would be the only libertarian tax reform bill. Right, and that the day that happens will be a fantastic day. But who would build the roads? Um, (laughs) Of course. But uh, I think that this bill does a lot of good. It does a lot of good, and it does allow a lot more people to take their money. It does have a lot of uh, progressivisms in it. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of state funding, and it it does in it doesn't help with de- deficit spending. It doesn't help with any of that. Um, but I mean, for the majority of individuals, I do think it's a good bill. Mm-hmm. For the majority of individuals, for a nation, is it a good bill? No, not really. But is it a band-aid for a sucking he- head wound? Yeah, it's going to help a little. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like somebody takes an uh, axe to the head, you know, you put a band-aid on it, it's going to help a little bit, and it's going to slow the bleeding some for each person, but it's not going to help out a ton. Right. That's just kind of the way I see this, Bill. Um, doubling the standardized deduction from... 6,000 to 12,000 or 24,000 for uh, married couples. That's good. It's going to allow a lot more people to not have to itemize things. That's going to help out a lot. Um, but that's, I mean, again, it's not the greatest bill I've seen come down the pipe. And, but it's the best bill I've seen in years as far right. as taxes go. So, so I'm, I, I, I come at this at, at sort of a two-pronged approach. I am, one, I think that, like, the GOP has been, you know, railing on lower taxes, and, and they have every single thing. They have the, the House, the Supreme Court, the President. Um, you know, they, they don't have to worry about really any gridlock or very much gridlock. If they really wanted to, they could go all out with this, but they're not. They're being very mediocre about it, and that bothers yeah. me. Um, but, but the GOP's been doing, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. The... They they have been, and that's not surprising. It, it I don't mean to sound too too shocked by that because, I mean, obviously, you know my my thoughts and opinions on this. This is like that's that's what the GOP does. They they just right. you know they they always talk a big game, and then they always 
The faults are right. Right. They they always waver right at the end and go, oh, well, we can't do that right now. Right, right. But I, I will say that, all things considered, this is, by all accounts, a cut. And that is something, even if it's very mediocre and even if it's, you know... Not at all what I was what I was wanting, even if it's not what they promised on. This is a step in the right direction, which is very different from the Obamacare bill. But it's very it's very it's very difficult to try to be like, well, this is our version of Obamacare with taxes, because either you want to cut it or you don't want to cut it. Which is with with Obamacare, right. they at least said, hey, we're going to replace it without really saying what they were going to replace it with. So they had that loophole to kind of devise their own monstrosity. With this, I mean, either you are or you're not. Right. Agreed. And I mean, you know, they just kept saying that they were going to repeal Obamacare. That was, I mean, that's what they ran on for eight years. Right. And that's, and that's all it became is anything that is slightly different than Obamacare is a repeal of Obamacare, which is not what anybody in the right mind was thinking of, but that no. is their loophole. Right. And they're like, oh, it is. It's just phase one of repealing it. Well, no, don't don't go in phases. But with the tax thing where they're like, yeah, we're going to cut taxes for all of America. I mean, the most important things that you can do in America is to get rid of the corporate, uh, the corporate tax. Uh, so that way you bring businesses back to America, which will then increase jobs. When you've got people like Burger King leaving America to go to Canada, mm-hmm. like because the Canadian tax uh, system is more friendly to businesses. In Canada. <laughs> in Canada you, you know you have a problem here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you need to fix that because that will in turn bring jobs back to America. But they... I mean, and I know that this plan does plan to cut corporate taxes. I don't remember what it is. I don't have my notes I, out. I think it's 20%, I believe, which, again, is they, they ran on, like, around 15%, um, the president and everyone who, who's touting this tax plan. But um, it is still a cut, even if it's not as drastic or as, as large as what uh, we wanted or what they said. Right. And I think it's probably that they uh, were trying to find out because I know that we had the highest corporate tax in the world. And I think they were kind of trying to go, okay, how much do we have to cut it where we're in the bottom? Right. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> where, where we're not like the highest anymore. <laughs> right. We're, we're not like we're, we're in the bottom 50. And right. that's probably what they landed on was like the bottom 30%. Right. And I mean, it's a step, but it's not the step that we've been promised. And it's not the step that's going to really, truly help everything get rejuvenated. Right. And I think the most aggravating part for me is that um, many of the people who who created this plan and many of the people who supported this plan are going to go back all to their districts and say, look at me, guys, I cut your taxes. So obviously you should send me back to Washington and they're not going to do anything about it or they're going to, you know, even though they may have cut taxes, they'll increase spending or they'll find other ways to increase other sorts of taxes. And and as they secure their reelection for 2018, then that's when all the stuff starts to fall apart. That's that's my biggest concern. I'm not concerned that Rand is going to do that. I'm not concerned that Massey. Or, or Justin Amash, or or any of the the real liberty champions that we have in Washington, they'll they'll go back to their districts. Say, not only did I cut taxes, I'm going to continue to cut taxes, and I'm going to continue to fight for this kind of stuff. But most of the Republicans, when they go back, they're that's what they're going to do. Right, they're going to go back and say, look at what I did. I've done everything that I promised, even though I actually haven't done anything that I promised. Right. We we said we were going to cut taxes. Here's the the tax cut. So we cut taxes. So now you're good. Yeah. uh, The GOP. What's my language barrier that I'm allowed to hit on this show? (laughs) 
Um, it's it's a little bit lower than than uh, than yours, but okay. <laughs> than your <Yeah>. show, <laughs> just just a little bit. But good 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 thing I asked. Okay. Uh, okay. So uh, the GOP. Uh, let's let's not have a Mohammed moment. Um, right. Yeah. The, I, I, a few weeks ago. Right. Um, okay. So the the GOP has uh, they've estrogened up a little bit. And they uh, like they come out and they talk a huge game, but then when it comes time to like being able to like actually pull the trigger or to man up, they don't do it. And right. they go, "Oh well, we can't do that right now because reasons." Right. And that doesn't make any sense. You have the House, you have the Senate, you have the White House, you have the Supreme Court. Like right now is. Now, right now is your time if you're going to do the things that you've been promising to advance liberty and you're not proving that you want to advance liberty. So that's why you got nailed uh, on three weeks ago uh, during the election. Right. It's because you aren't doing the things that you promised and you're letting the man child of a president control everything through his Twitter account. Right. Um, so. Aside from taxes, let's look into a little bit more the the most optimistic story of the of the week of the of actually the past couple of weeks um, is that uh, Bitcoin and this is something that we haven't really touched too much on the show, um, but it's something we're going to be touching a lot more on next year. Um, so I'm really excited about that too. Uh, but Bitcoin hit ten thousand. I think yeah. it was yesterday or, or two yesterday. days ago. It was yesterday. Um, oh, yeah, two. Well, two days ago from from the uh, from the publication of this. Right, right. Uh, and that is massive. It's that it's massive huge. for for everyone and for everything and what that actually means. But I I want to get your thoughts on that first before I I go into that a little bit. Okay, so uh, first, do you know what time this is going to be coming out? Do you have a time that this you release this? Thursday, uh, Thursday around noon. Around okay. So if anybody is listening to this between Thursday around noon to Thursday at eight o'clock, uh, that night the Big Bang Theory is going to be doing an episode on Bitcoin. Interesting. So, yeah. So millions of people who have never heard of Bitcoin are going to hear about Bitcoin at Thursday around eight or eight thirty. I don't know what time the Big Bang Theory comes on. Uh, I just know it's on Thursday. Right. So if you want to invest, I have a feeling it's going to take a huge jump after that because right. you're going to get a lot of people who are like, oh, well, the nerds on the Big Bang Theory are so you're going to you want to do it like now, actually like yesterday. Right. You want to do it. Well, yeah, a, a few days ago, a few months ago would have been great. A few but, years ago would have been perfect <laughs> yeah. back when I it was had, like $14. I had a buddy who bought... $15,000 worth of Bitcoin at 30 cents. Oh my lord. And he sold it when it hit 90 cents. Wow. That's he unfortunate. Made, he made $45,000 on the deal. Yeah. But he, like, I was like, so I figured it out the other day and I sent him, I was like, right now you'd have $45 million. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I saw something um, uh, back, I mean, three days ago back when it was still like 8,000 or whatever with how rapidly this thing is uh, rising. If you bought Bitcoin the day it, it began, if you were like one of the first investors of it, then you would have, I, they said either 145 million or 450 million. I can't remember, but it was well on your way to a billion dollars. Nope. And there are a few people, I think there are two people right now that are billionaires from Bitcoin. From Bitcoin. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. but I, I, I'm pretty certain that's true. Yeah, they, I was reading something about that and the, they were called the uh, Bitcoin whales, I think. Mm -hmm. And there were two people who, they were either right, they were coming up on a billion and they're going to hit it in the next day or two kind of a thing. Or they had already passed a billion dollars. And... I mean, if I made a billion dollars by buying a cryptocurrency eight years ago and just let it sit, 
then like, you would <laughs> you would have so much money right now. Oh, oh my god! Like, yeah. if I put a hundred bucks in when if I put a hundred bucks into Bitcoin when I first heard about it, I think that right now I would have because I heard about it when it was around two hundred dollars for a Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And so if I just like put a hundred bucks in it, then I figured it out and I'd have something like. Oh God, I can't remember what it was. We figured it out yesterday. I'd have something like $500,000. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I, I just insane stuff. Well, I mean, the what, what's really exciting I find about, about Bitcoin beyond the money, because that's obviously exhilarating. Um, but why it's going up so high so rapidly is because this is fundamentally changing everything that we know today about uh, about monetary uh, policy and about uh, about money just in general it's fundamentally changing money forever 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 For- money will never be the same um, at, before pre 2008 pre meltdown it will never be like like that um, like that setting ever again because of Bitcoin, because Bitcoin was a response to that. Yes. You can't, it is something that you can't duplicate. There's always going to be a finite amount of it once they reach a certain amount. I can't remember what that amount is. I know that they've it's announced like, how many. Yeah, it's like 21,000 or, or tw- it's, it's something, it's, it's high. And it won't it won't hit it until like a hundred years from now or over a hundred years from now. It won't hit the the max. Um, right. So we uh, there's obviously plenty of time to buy as much as you possibly can. Right. But it's finite, so so that should give some some people some comfort. And I know a lot of people don't really understand what that means. Um, how how can something like that be? You know, how could something on the internet be finite? Can't you just go in and hack it or something like that? But it's it's not. It's not hackable. It is not hackable. As, okay, so as of right now, it is not hackable. Right. Uh, I, I won't say anything is you know, definite. Like, eventually there may be a way to hack it, but right now it is not hackable. But I mean, like, even I, I believe that even if uh, if the blockchain sees anything that is like, if it sees anything more than what it already has then it doesn't matter if you hack into it or not because it's not allowing anything more than what was pre-programmed into Bitcoin. Right. And that's what makes it finite. Right. And since it also since it's finite, like it's not like the Fed that can just print more money. Right. Where it devalues everything. Since it's going to be finite and we know what the final amount of Bitcoin is going to be, like the final number of Bitcoin, that just will make the value of it continually rise because people are constantly going to be wanting more. Right Right now, the game is to amass as much Bitcoin as you possibly can. Like you want to get it any way you can. There are companies that you can can personally work for um, and you're technically working for yourself, but... People will pay you Bitcoin to buy things on Amazon, and you're paying on Amazon 15%. You're paying Amazon in your cash uh, for regular price, but you're selling it to them 15% cheaper than what it is on Amazon. Hmm. But that way, you're just amassing more Bitcoin into your personal wallet. Hmm. Because that's going to go up in value a lot faster than the money is going to go up. Obviously, because money is quickly devaluing, um, being devalued by the Fed and, and, and a plethora of, of, of things oh, that, uh, it, that, that's, that's a topic for, for an entire episode yeah. in and of itself. Yeah, um, I was going to say, every time that they talk about raising the minimum wage, yeah. money goes down in value, yeah. Bitcoin every, goes up. Everything has, everything has a, every action has a reaction. That's just simple physics. Right. So... Uh, but I mean that—that's incredibly exciting, both from a, a a money perspective and just from a society perspective. This, I believe, is the one of the biggest advents in in history, um, right up there with with the wheel and and uh, the light bulb and the printing press. This is one of those things that 
it fundamentally changes everything that you know about uh, about the way things are done, and they will never be the same moving forward. Yes, I mean, okay. So everybody talks about great. Everybody talks about uh, great innovations, and personally, I think the greatest innovation America's or that mankind has ever come up with. I don't know who made it, uh, but that mankind has ever come up with is refrigeration. Mm-hmm. Because food didn't spoil, you could store stuff, all that kind of stuff. Like it allowed restaurants to be able to open and hold stuff, and it allowed for so much to be able to be. You know, you could keep things colder, which meant that the milk didn't spoil, or you you didn't have to eat everything, and you didn't have to throw away as much. Uh, Bitcoin is on that level in my mind. Yeah, because it it completely it removes both the banks and the government from being the middleman and it brings everyone closer together it, yes. it is it is something that governments are terrified of because i am not i don't know if you have, did you watch on netflix uh the documentary called banking on bitcoin no not yet it's it's it's, it's in my queue i just haven't gotten yeah to it's, it it's a really good documentary and some of the things that have that have happened but to the people who who were some of the original pioneers um, in the state of New York, because they were trying to be entrepreneurs, Bitcoin entrepreneurs, and the government persecuted them and threw them in jail because you know something might happen, or uh, because you know you know drug drug lords and and people like that could use it for for bad things, which is I think one of the laziest arguments. Like if somebody could use something for something bad. Anything you can apply anything, anything to anything. that logic. Literally yeah. anything can be used uh, in, a, in a in a wrong way. Yeah, it was during the uh, 2014 elections that they started allowing political campaigns to take Bitcoin. I think Rand Paul Jeff- was one of the one. Of, <laughs> he he, he oh, certainly okay. used it in his presidential election. I remember that. Yeah, and because uh, uh, the Walter for Attorney General campaign, we were using it. Yeah. Um, and John Oliver did a report on it, and he goes, "Yeah, now you can, now you can donate to your favorite political campaign with the same way that you pay off drug dealers, hitmen, and something else." And <laughs> in, in the most John Oliver way in, that, in that you most, can imagine, yeah. Exactly. And I was like, "Yeah, but I can pay off all those guys in cash too." So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's what I love. It's like, what's the difference um, in using Bitcoin and using paper money right like both are untraceable there it's you can't the only thing that you can do is is trace when the transaction from the bank was taken out but you can't trace when you gave somebody money what's what's the difference there what's the difference in in that in bitcoin right and you know i got into an argument with some guy on uh facebook who his it's funny his name his nickname is Pubby because he's a Republican, mm-hmm. but he is very Keynesian in his ideals on economics. And he was like, Bitcoin is not a currency, it's a collectible. And I said, in what Tell way? that to the guys making 10K right now <laughs> right. who have one Bitcoin. Right. And he was like, I, he was like it's going to crash and all of these all of these people who have been collecting all of this Bitcoin and spending all of this money on Bitcoin are going to lose it all. And, you know, there's nobody that's going to be held accountable. One, nobody should be held accountable because in my mind, nobody is too big to fail. And, and two, it is a currency as long as people view it as a currency. As long as I can use it in order to pay you for goods and services and you accept it, it's a currency. It does not need to be backed by the federal government. Right. And I mean, that's what's what's the difference between that and, and a paper dollar other than the fact that one is has a Federal Reserve note stamp of approval on it and, and the other one doesn't. There's right. there's no difference. It's paper. In in it any is. in any sane world, if you took that to some some like space alien and said, Here, here's here's ten thousand dollars, they'd laugh in your face and and be like, what is this? This is just paper. You know, this it's not paper. worth anything. Right. It, there, there is nothing about this that I want. And right. it's just like, just because you drew this, 
just because you drew this picture on it, it means it's worth more than this one. Right. No, it, no, it doesn't. It's, it's, we put the value on whatever currency there is. And with the fed, they put the value on it. So it, it's, it's, it's ultimately about, well, it's nice that you can make money off of it. It's ultimately, um, more importantly about human freedom. And this is one of the greatest tools of human liberation uh, that we have ever seen. 100%. That we have it ever takes, seen in history. It takes currency out of the government's hands. It takes currencies out of the Fed's hands, out of the bank's hands, and it puts it into the hands of the people. And we now are in control of being able to uh, handle all of our transactions without the government being involved. Right, and not just Bitcoin, but all cryptocurrencies. All, yeah, all crypto. It, all it's crypto. not just limited. I don't want to, you know, create like a, a a monopoly state of mind with with people around Bitcoin because there is competition out there to Bitcoin. They're not as successful, yeah, but you got Litecoin, right. Ethereum. Uh, there's the new Jewish one, Bitcoin. Or Bitcoin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that one. Yeah, yeah, but there, there is competition out there to other cryptocurrencies, and yes. they are. I mean, they are becoming increasingly popular as well. Uh, it's and not just Bitcoin. Right, and I mean, Bitcoin's forked like three or four times now, and you've got Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Diamond, Bitcoin Bit. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that too. Yeah. So I mean, Bitcoin keeps splitting off, and it continues to still grow. All of them are continuing to grow. So. It is just evidence that the people are looking for their own way of handling all their finances and their transactions and their basic investments. Right. Um, so the the last or, or one of the last issues, I, I think the last issue that we have time to, to really speak of is the other issue that, that hit, uh, hit the news today other than the Avengers because that's the most important one, obviously. Um, and that is of uh, Matt Lauer, and he has been terminated. Oh, huh? Oh, Matty Lauer. Yeah, yeah. He he has been terminated from the Today Show over uh, sexual allegations, of course, because that's what everyone is being terminated over today. Um, it when when I first heard of this, I found it very odd. Not that I thought that he wouldn't do it it's just the way that it was handled was very odd to me because it seemed very quick and very i mean it just like happened instantly yeah even if you look at what the today show hosts of the uh, this morning or yesterday morning um listening to it on thursday uh they were just like we just got this notice uh, just moments ago and Matt Lauer is not with us anymore. Like, they didn't even know about it. It seemed like it oh. happened um, almost immediately, and then he was gone. Yes. Which is, it's a little, that in and of itself is a little concerning to me, because it doesn't seem like there was any investigation that okay. I know of, unless, uh, unless I am, of course, there's going to be things that will be coming out of this for days okay, to come. So from what I understand is that Variety has been doing a three-week or month-long investigation into some allegations on Matt Lauer. Okay. They wrote an article that was going to be released today, but they sent it to NBC beforehand. Okay. Uh, but the allegate, like, okay, uh, he sent somebody a sex toy as a gift with, I want to use this on you as the card. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, allegedly, he he exposed himself to an employee and said, "Do you want to whatever?" And okay, one of them, I'm like, okay, I've played this game with my friends. I don't, <laughs> but uh, okay. I, I can't Have say you that. now. <laughs> I, I can't say that word on the show. Uh, <laughs> uh, have sex with Mary Kill. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, screw, Mary kill. Yeah, or, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, he, he was playing that at work, and I was like, okay, well, I mean, who hasn't played that at work? <laughs> I've played that everywhere I've worked. 
But um, you know, that one I was like, okay, that's that I didn't really have an issue with. But exposing yourself or sending an unsolicited sex toy to somebody and saying, I want to use this on you, and that's, Megan that's a little, Kelly, a little much. It's a little bit much. And right. Megan Kelly allegedly knew about all of this happening and never said anything. And, and so, this was all within NBC, right? Yeah. Yeah, apparently uh, some of the um, – when he was doing the Olympic uh, broadcasting, mm-hmm. apparently he either sexually harassed or sexually assaulted some people while he was there. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's huge news. And, you know, I am a proponent of innocent until proven guilty and all that kind of stuff. But for NBC to act that quickly on it, that's – pretty shocking but with the climate that it is today with harvey weinstein and uh kevin spacey uh louis ck and all of those guys whose careers are now essentially over because of all of this this is what corporations have to do anytime these allegations come up because you cannot be seen as promoting or defending somebody who may be a sexual predator and and i i think with with this situation, I think two two things come to mind. Either they had irrefutable, unprecedented stacks of evidence mounted against him that he, they were just like, "Look, you have to go like now," um, and that very well could be the case. I I, I don't uh, I, I don't question that that is a possibility, um, a very likely possibility at that. But the other thing is that. People are getting so scared of of what might happen um, if they keep somebody around to even give them the possibility of the benefit of the doubt, and that's yeah. something that concerns me. Is that yeah. we are moving much more away from these are allegations to this is the absolute truth without any question, even right. if it isn't right and. I've, so I know that nobody really knows how old I am and I like it that way, but I'm a little bit older than everybody thinks. You're, you're a lot older than most people think. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but so this has actually been a trend that I've been watching for quite some time now. Um, it hasn't been as great as it is right now. Obviously, yeah. But for a while you just started seeing it like an accusation would come out and it'd be like that person needs to resign or get fired. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of saw it slowly starting to happen. And then with Harvey Weinstein, it was just after that the floodgates opened and now anytime any sort of allegation comes out, they're getting rid of people. Right. And, and but, from, from one perspective, I think that's, that's really, that's really good because I think there are a lot of people who need to, leave because they are truly terrible people that have been coasting for so long on the benefit of the doubt that they are going to keep their job because they are so and so right um and they you know they think they're invincible or untouchable right um so this has been humbling for for all industries or at least it should be um but also there's still the part of mind and I did a, an episode a few weeks ago on this um, that this is also a the pendulum swinging back, culturally speaking, from let's not believe any victim whenever they, they come out to let's believe every victim every whenever victim. they come out. And both are equally dangerous. Both are definitely equally dangerous. Like when the hashtag MeToo was trending, uh, a lot of the reports that like a lot of the tweets that I saw from people – I didn't give it a lot of credence because it did not seem like a really serious offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there, it seems like there's there's a blurred line between sexual harassment and uh, just like stupid behavior, like right. things that is just like okay, you shouldn't have done that, but I, I wouldn't necessarily say that, that was harassment. Right. Um, and yeah, that's where a lot of like the hashtag me too. And I felt that so many people that were getting involved in the hashtag me too were people who just wanted to feel included in that for some whatever weird reason. Yeah. Um, 
like, oh, you're a victim, I'm a victim too. Like, I don't yeah. know why anybody would want to, you know, subscribe to being a victim. Um, like, if you are, I feel for you, and you know, I want you to get all the help that you can. They absolutely like those people who who are legit. Absolutely should come out right. and, because they have been, you know, they have been pressured and 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 threatened. Like, don't you dare do anything about this. Nobody's going to believe you. All that, all that stuff that you know you constantly hear about. Those are the kind of stories, and those are the kind of people who absolutely should come out. But there are yeah. also a lot of other people who want to jump on the bandwagon about people who. You know, maybe they don't like them, or uh, maybe they they are seeking vengeance for over people. You know that uh, that wronged them in some other way. Yes, and like that's why I had a small problem with the hashtag Me Too. But if you if you are a legitimate victim, or you know somebody has been you know assaulting you in any way, or harassing you, and is making you uncomfortable, yes, you should report that person. But just because a guy asks you out on a date and you say no, it, like that's not harassment. That's him taking a shot and striking out. Right. Like, there, there is a line on where it's harassment and where it's not. But I do think that we do need to look into all the claims. But you also can't fire everybody just because an just allegation. Just over a claim. Yeah, or something like that. It's funny you mentioned that too because uh, I, I was uh, listening on the radio the other day about a study that was taken about millennials' perspective on particular, like, is this sexual harassment or is this not sexual harassment? And and some of the things that, that, were, that were brought up and mentioned, I was stunned at, at the fact that anyone could think that anything like that is sexual harassment. Like, hey, do you want to go out for a drink? Yes, and twenty some percent of of millennials thought that yeah, that would be sexual harassment. Now, right. obviously, with, there there are ways that it could be, uh, in, with any situation. That's that's to be you know to be obvious. Um, but just in and of itself, do you want to go out to a drink? That's that's not harassment. That's just trying to be trying to be courteous. Right. That's that. That is legitimately having somebody get the guts to go Seeking, up to a girl and ask them. Trying out. to seek consent. Like, right. That's literally what we are supposed to be searching for, not just right. assuming that they want to go out with you. Right. Yes. That that is garnering. Like, and I, I still have issues with it. You know, yeah. where I still, I'll I'll be talking to a girl for a while. I still have problems going. So can I have your number? Like yeah. I still have issues with that, um, but you know it's uh, and nowadays like I get more afraid because you know I don't want anybody to think that I'm harassing anybody, but at the same time I'm still gonna ask anybody out that I get the guts up to ask out because I like going on dates. Right. I mean, I mean that that in and of itself I think hurts the the very cause that people who say that yeah this is harassment it hurts the very cause that they are trying to uphold that they're trying to to lift up because if you're not seeking consent what exactly are you seeking that is literally them trying to to be consensual adults with with somebody else right and i mean if somebody's harassing you about like if you if they ask you out and you say no and then they ask you out again and you say no and then they ask yeah, you out again yeah they keep coming back and back and back and that's that's one thing um, but if if people just like yeah that's that's absolutely harassment without question first time right. whatever no you you're you're no, harming the cause that you're trying to promote exactly exactly um, so that's about all the time we have uh, we, okay. we, there's, there's plenty of things that we could probably talk about. Um, oh, we going. yeah, we could just keep, keep going and going, but there will be time there in the very near future, um, it, for us to keep going and keep talking, uh, for it, even longer. It, so, so let's, let's talk about that and preview that for a little bit. What is going on this weekend? Okay. So on December 2nd, the muddied waters of freedom are having their one year anniversary show at Grassroots Kava House in downtown St. Pete. Uh, Mo, Mo and I are going to be doing our, it was supposed to be our 53rd episode, but it's only going to be our 52nd um, episode. 
and we will be having you, my dear friend Caleb, down to join us for a. I hope so. <laughs> Picked up from the airport, um, and I think you're staying at my house. Oh wow! Yeah, how blessed uh, am I? So very. <laughs> uh, not many people get to make it into the house, so you get to you get to be there. It's right. going to be great. Um, but yeah, we're going to be doing a. Uh, it's going to be a big event. We've got a uh, former NFL player who is a. He's now works in the kava industry. He is going to be doing a Tongan kava ceremony. That's fun. Yes, uh, very excited about that. Uh, I'm also excited to get you to try kava personally. That's going to be <laughs> one of your great... personal goals yeah. <laughs> that you've been looking forward to. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, and then uh, you, Mo, me, and our very first guest, Greg Bowen, uh, are going to be doing an episode, and then we're going to be doing it in front of a live studio audience. And all of this will be streamed live uh, for anybody who wants to watch us. Um, but uh, we'll be taking questions from the audience about libertarianism in general. Wonderful. So I'm, yes. I'm looking forward to the fact that there probably is going to be many uh, passive-aggressive, at, at best, questions. Oh, there's going to be some commies. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm, so if I'm you would like to hear, hear or see any of us spar with, with a bunch of commies, then uh, come out on December 2nd. At what time does that start? Uh, it starts at two o'clock. Two o'clock at the Grassroots Kava House in St. Yeah. Petersburg. In downtown St. Pete, yeah. Wonderful. So that'll be in Florida, and I'll be there, and Matt will be there, and Mohammed will be there, um, who we had on earlier in the year, um, yep. and not recently though. <laughs> so we'll we'll just have to we'll have to get both of you on at some point at the same time. So that oh, way it's like an inverse of the muddied waters of freedom. Yes. On the, the muddy, the, yeah, the muddied waters of liberty. Exactly. Yes. Um, so that's all the time we have. Please go. Where can they find that app? Uh, you will be streaming that live on Facebook at facebook.com backslash muddied waters of freedom. Um, and then we will also have the video after it's all done. We'll have the video and the audio up on muddiedwatersoffreedom.com. All right, and is that where they can also find you? That is where they can find me. They can find me at uh, facebook.com at, at backslash muddywatersoffreedom or muddywatersoffreedom.com, or you can follow my author page at facebook.com backslash mrright, that's W-R-I-G-H-T 79. That was a mouthful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, you can, of course, follow me at Caleb Franz on Twitter. Follow the show at Mill Liberty on Twitter, um, and subscribe to us on iTunes so we will so that you will never miss an episode or an update. We have a lot uh, happening in the near future. We only have I think three episodes left this year. Next week, uh, we are having a Star Wars exclusive episode, um, and that is going to be a blast. We're uh, bringing on Stephen Kent from uh, Young Voices. Uh, to to discuss Star Wars Episode Eight and the libertarian themes within uh, Star Wars, and then the week after that will be our final inter interview of the year, and it will be with none other than uh, Tom Woods, which is very exciting. I'm very <laughs> very excited about that. Um, so it's it's one hell of a way to to close the year out. Uh, and then until next week, we'll see you. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to this week's episode of Mill Liberty. I'm your host Caleb Franz. This is the voice of liberty for a new generation. I'm thrilled to have you here this week. This week we are going to be having uh, an interview on the program with uh, Matt Wright of the Muddied Waters of Freedom. If you recall back in March, I do believe, March or April, we had uh, Mohammed on and he is uh, the, the co-host. They, they co-host the program together. Uh, and it's a, a great program, one that I, I highly recommend, outside of my own, obviously. <laughs> and um, and we, we have a wide array of, of discussions from 
from the GOP tax plan and tax reform to to the big news surrounding Bitcoin this week, um, which is something that we haven't really spent a whole lot of time talking about and touching on, and it's something that we are going to be spending a lot more time next year uh, talking on it. I have I have a lot of, of subjects that I want to get into next year that's very exciting, uh, and Bitcoin is included in that. And uh, also, we talk about the big news surrounding um, Matt Lauer uh, from yesterday that uh, that continues the 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 house of cards that is collapsing um, on the major industries such as around Hollywood and uh, and the news media and and in politics. So, without further ado, oh, and also we we have the most important topic of of the week and of the year and of the century, and that is, of course, of of uh, a certain little movie that that could be coming out in the very near future. So I'll just leave it at that. So with that being said, please sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Matt Wright. 